You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. We are uh, beginning today, if you hadn't already noticed, uh, on the screens a sermon series, this Lent, which we are now in, the 40 days that will lead us towards Holy Week and the events once more of the cross, and eventually on that glorious Easter morning, the good news of the empty tomb. As we take that journey, though, we're going to ask whether we really know who it is we are following on our way towards those events. I think many of us think we know who Jesus is, but there are aspects of Jesus's character and life that perhaps we don't typically spend too much time thinking about. And so each week we're going to look at one of those characteristics, and we're beginning today with that word that Leslie talked with the children about, this word vagabond. And we're exploring this vagabond nature of Jesus through the story of Jesus embarking on his first preaching tour and Mark's gospel. So let us listen once more for God's word as we hear these verses from Mark chapter 1, beginning with the 35th verse. Mark writes, In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and he went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions, they hunted for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you, Jesus. And Jesus answered, let us go. Let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And Jesus went out throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, send your spirit once more that it would fill this space, that it would alight upon each of our hearts. Oh God, through the work of your spirit, take the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered together here in your sight, that they may be to you pleasing and glorifying. For you and you alone are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. He prayed. What do you think Jesus was praying about on that day all those years ago? You all know how in the movies, sometimes there are those scenes where the hero uh, reaches like a fork in the road and they have to make a choice, right? They have to choose whether or not they're going to take the safe route or whether or not they're going to be faithful to whatever task it is that has been handed to them. But in that moment, you know, the soft music and the close up of the person, you get this sense that this hero figure in the movie is really wondering whether they're up to the task. We're only 35 verses in here to Mark's gospel, but it feels to me like Jesus is at one of those forks in the road. 
It feels to me like Jesus goes out to this deserted place, wondering to himself, is this really my calling? Think about everything that's happened already. Again, 35 verses into Mark's gospel. And already Jesus has been baptized in the river Jordan. He's endured 40 days out there in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. He's emerged from that experience to call his disciples. He's taught in synagogues. He's exorcised evil spirits. He's healed Simon's mother-in-law and he's cured many diseases. I think Jesus is tired. And so he wakes up early on this day. And he goes out to that deserted place. Praying to God, is this really the path that you want me to follow, Father? Right, God, you and I both know. We've seen all the crowds. They're growing. We both know what's going to happen when certain people start paying attention to what's happening all around me every day now. I think Jesus goes out to the wilderness on this morning. And he's wondering to himself, God, do I really have in me what you say I have in me? And the reason I think this is because there's only one other moment in Mark's gospel where Jesus prays like this. And it's another fork in the road moment. It comes almost at the very end of Jesus's story, the place that we are pointing ourselves to in this Lenten season. It's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right before his arrest, he goes down into the garden by himself and he prays to God, Lord, take this cup from me. But not my will, but your will be done. Jesus is at a fork in the road. God, I'd really like it if you just let me live out here in this deserted place. But if you say so, I'll follow you down the road that you are pointing me. What is it that Jesus is praying for out there? The answer comes soon enough because Simon and his friends, they hunt for Jesus. That's an awfully interesting word. They had to work at it. Jesus was really trying to stay hidden. But the disciples come out and they search for him and eventually they find him and they tell Jesus, they say, Jesus, the crowds are searching for you. And it's almost like in that moment, Jesus understands what God wants from him. It's almost as if in that moment, Jesus knows the path that God is sending him down. Because he answers those disciples with three words. He says to them, let us go. Let us go. That word vagabond is an interesting one. I suspect that it's not just the children who don't often use that in their everyday parlance. I suspect that not many of us have regular occasions to use the word vagabond. I also suspect that when we do, it probably has kind of a negative connotation Right, a grapes of wrath kind of connotation. Vagabond, sometimes we think of uh, in terms of desolation or despair or loneliness or being lost. But in its purest form, like Leslie told the children, vagabond, it literally means to be someone who has no settled home. To be someone who has no 
settled home. With those words, let us go. Jesus sets into motion this kind of love that has no settled home. This love that is not stationary or stagnant. This love that is not removed out there in those desolate places. It's a love that suddenly has motion. Let us go. Suddenly, God's love can be anywhere and in anyone. It's really kind of comical, actually, if you open up your Bible and you read the rest of Mark's gospel from this point. Because every single story has action verbs in it. It's like Jesus is shot out of a cannon from this moment. As soon as he says, let us go, and he and those disciples go back to preach and to heal and to minister to people, every single story begins with verbs like, he came, he went, he healed, he taught, he went up, he came down, he entered, he left. Every single story. Until you get to that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. Suddenly from this point forward, The gospel, the story of God's love is in constant motion. Jesus is constantly finding people after this moment. He's finding people where they are, in their homes, in their churches, along the road. He's constantly meeting them where they are, but he is never leaving them as he found them. He's constantly meeting people where they are, but he's never leaving them where he found them. There's this phrase that I have uh, been using a good bit lately. It's this phrase, deeper water. Uh, The staff team and the session have heard me use this. If you came to our year in review uh, um, presentation a few Wednesday nights ago here in Fogarty Hall, you heard me talk about it. It's this phrase that uh, comes from uh, the story in Luke's gospel where The disciples are having trouble catching fish, and they're rather frustrated. And what does Jesus tell them? He says, go out to deeper water. And they do. And they catch so much fish that their boat almost sinks. So I've been thinking about this phrase, and I've been using it a lot as a a challenge. Right? As we, as a community and as a church, and we just as citizens look around and we see our city changing as rapidly as it is. When we look around and we see the church, both our church and the big C church, changing as rapidly as it is, in some ways for the better, in some ways very challenging. So we look at our world, and we see our world rapidly changing. For me, this phrase is a challenge. It's a challenge to each of us and to our church to wonder, you know, are we going to be a church that stays safely moored in harbor? Or are we going to be a community that casts out to deeper water? Right? Are we going to be a church that looks around and asks ourselves, who is our neighbor? Because, friends, our neighbors aren't the same today as they were a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago or a hundred years ago. Are we going to be a church that looks around and asks ourselves, what are the gifts that are right here in this room, in these seats, and on that screen What are the gifts that are right here in this congregation that God has uniquely equipped us with to go out and serve others? I'm about to uh, do a uh, uh, Discover FPC, uh, a class for people who are interested in just learning more about our church uh, beginning today back in the back room after this worship. 
And every time I do that, I look around and I think to myself, look at all the new voices, all the new ideas, the new experiences that are present in this space. I wonder how God is calling these individuals to help guide our community into the future. Right? It doesn't mean that we have to leave our past. We're rich in tradition, and that's a beautiful and wonderful thing. It just means that we need to become willing or more willing to follow Jesus' example, to set our faith in motion. Right? We're going to get to Easter, and we're going to proclaim that Christ is risen. But do you all remember what the risen Christ does when he finds all those disciples huddled behind locked doors after the empty tomb? Does he tell them, you all just hang out here, rest easy, chill, I'll be back. That's not what he tells them. What does he tell them? Go. He says, go. Go out into the world. Set that love in motion. Follow this vagabond God by casting your sails and heading out for deeper water, by embodying your own vagabondness. Can that be a word? Let's, let's take that word, vagabondness. I read an article uh, in the Post and Courier on Friday. It was about a new uh, affordable housing senior complex that's being uh, built, just broke ground on Johns Island, uh, south of Charleston. And it caught my eye because this project uh, has been named in honor or really memory of a man who has been sort of a spiritual hero of mine for many years since I first read his story, a man named Esau Jenkins. Anyone here know Esau Jenkins' story? There we go. So Esau Jenkins is a native son of John's Island. He grew up, spent his whole life there. And back in the 1940s and 50s, uh, Esau Jenkins looked around and he noticed that a lot of his neighbors, the adults uh, and the children, didn't really have uh, good access to good paying jobs or to good education. So Esau and his wife, uh, they started selling uh, their produce and veggies from their farm and raising money to buy a big old VW bus. So they bought this bus, and they started transporting their neighbors at no cost, transporting them up to Charleston where there were better paying jobs and better schools. And later on, uh, when uh, there were laws uh, passed uh, uh, to form a literacy test, uh, a uh, not-so-veiled uh, attempt to keep people who looked like Esau and his neighbors from having as ready access to the polls. Uh, Esau and his wife started using those bus trips to teach their neighbors how to pass the test. And then when his neighbors uh, came to him and said, you know, Esau, we have to go so far to get groceries. We have to go so far to find gasoline. Esau said, well, let's just start a co-op right here. Let's start a grocery store right in the center of our own community where we can come and we can sell the goods that we grow, the goods that we make. We can support each other. You can pay what, what you have uh, or you can pay later, depending if you don't have the money now. It was this incredible, this incredible life story. And when you look at it as a whole, uh, you can't help but think here is a man who is constantly casting out to deeper water. My favorite part about the Esau Jenkins story, though, is on the back of the original VW bus. I think it's in the Smithsonian now. It's either the Smithsonian or the uh, new wonderful museum that just opened uh, in Charleston, uh, uh, the African-American South Carolinian uh, History Museum. On the back of his bus, uh, he painted his own personal motto that went wherever the bus went. 
And his motto was, love is progress, hate is expensive. Think about that, though. Love is progress. What is progress? Progress is motion. Right? Love is motion. Love is seeing a neighbor's need and responding to it with three words. Let us go. Love is progress. Love is meeting people where they are, which is exactly what Esau Jenkins did every day of his life. But not leaving them where he found them. As I was reading this article, though, uh, I started to think about uh, Newton's first law of physics. How much time I got? All right, we're getting close. I was terrible at science, by the way, but somehow I've retained this one tidbit of knowledge. So the first law of physics, right, is an object set into motion will remain in motion unless an opposing force acts on it and slows it down. I'm reading this article about this new uh, affordable senior housing project. And I'm thinking to myself, Esau Jenkins was trying to instruct all of us about the first law of God's love, which is when God's love is set into motion, the ripples, they keep going. Right, going all the way back to this moment in Jesus' life when he leaves that place and he hits the road, the ripples of God's love are still going. And so far, there has not been a force that is capable of bringing it to a stop. Yesterday, it was a co op. Today, it's a senior housing project. Who knows what it will be tomorrow? Friends, when we follow Jesus' example and we set God's love into motion in our own lives, who knows where those ripples might lead? Who knows where a church that seeks to cast out into deeper water, who knows where a hundred years from now, people long after all of us are gathering in this place, who knows where the movement of that love might have taken them? I don't know what Jesus was praying on that mountain. In fact, I might get in trouble with some people for even conjecturing what Jesus was praying or wasn't praying on that mountain. But I think we do know what Jesus is praying for us now, don't we? We know what our vagabond God is praying our vagabond lives might look like. So friends, let us go. Amen.